So I know this is kind of outside my usual wheelhouse. I don't do a lot of reviews on the show. After all, this is primarily a podcast for atheists and agnostics. But like a lot of people, I was really affected by the season 7 premiere of The Walking Dead. And it is Halloween season, and you guys know how I like doing special Halloween episodes. So why not? Why not? Let's do it. So I've been a fan of The Walking Dead since it first premiered back in 2010. And I can't believe it's already been on for 6 or 7 years. When I think about it that way, uh, that they're already on the 7th season... I get that depressed feeling that seems inherent to suddenly realizing just how much time has gotten by you. Another seven years of my mortal existence irrevocably gone. I didn't intend to start off on such a depressing note, so onward. But just a warning, given the subject matter, I'm sure there'll be some other dark musings ahead. So before I move on to my analysis of the season 7 premiere... What is it I like about The Walking Dead, or what do I find compelling about it? Well, I like horror in general, but I like to think I have somewhat discerning taste. I think I can tell schlock from well-crafted cinema, and there's been a zombie craze for a while now. The horror genre has been inundated with zombie movies for as long as I can remember. And with some exceptions, like the one that in a sense starred at all, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, and some other standouts like 28 Days Later, most zombie movies are garbage. Uh, So when I heard roughly seven years ago that a show about zombies entitled The Walking Dead was coming to television, mind you, I was unaware of the comic, I was very skeptical. I was willing to watch it because... Like, even bad pizza is still pizza, even bad horror is still horror, and might still prove to be mildly entertaining. Although there are some straight-to-video horror movies, many unfortunately cluttering the iTunes store, that are just, in my opinion, unwatchable. But anyway, so, although I went into watching The Walking Dead with an open mind, I didn't necessarily have high expectations. But I watched the first episode, and I was blown away. It wasn't like some schlocky horror movie. It was actually really artfully done. There was a gravity and realism to it. The acting was superb, the writing, the effects. And the characters weren't poorly written zombie fodder. They were fleshed out and believable. You could actually empathize with them. And as grim and gory as the show can be, I think it's also a show with heart. And... um a real kind of sentimentality about it. So that's what I liked about The Walking Dead and what I still like about it. But on to discussing the season 7 premiere. So if you're someone who for some reason or another has never watched The Walking Dead, maybe you're a misanthrope who's been trying to avoid jumping on the bandwagon or something, a little like me when I was younger, uh, the basic premise is a good-natured small-town sheriff's deputy named Rick Grimes gets seriously wounded in the line of duty and months later wakes up in the hospital to a zombie apocalypse. And to me, one of the hallmarks of The Walking Dead is really good character development. And Rick's no exception. We get to see him go from an almost borderline naive, maybe naive's a bad word to use, Because I think from the get-go, he's a survivor and a natural leader. 
But we get to see him kind of find his bearings, and, and we see him go from a confused and weakened figure in a hospital bed to the leader of this group of survivors. And we also see the effect that repeated loss and struggle has on a guy who, if not for this apocalyptic event, probably would have just remained a good-natured small-town sheriff's deputy. But at the end of season six, Rick and his aforementioned group find themselves in a bit of a pickle, shall we say. They run afoul of another group, and they, or at least one of them, find themselves on the wrong end of a baseball bat. A baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, to be exact. And that was the cliffhanger that was driving everyone, including myself, crazy. Season 6 ends with someone essentially getting their head crushed in, accompanied by appropriately gruesome sound effects. But the camera switches to a first-person POV, so it's as if we're looking out from the eyes of the victim, thusly unable to distinguish who the victim actually is, and that's pretty much where they leave us. And there was a lot of guessing in the interim as to who the victim probably was. There's an iconic moment in the comic book series which the show is based on. It's in the 100th issue, I think, where the beloved character Glenn, portrayed by Stephen Young in the uh, TV series, I think it's pronounced Young, I think, is the one who ends up on the wrong end of the antagonist Negan's bat. And the illustrations of Glenn getting his head repeatedly bashed in are pretty damn gory. So this understandably led many to assume it would be Glenn, although the TV adaptation has a tradition of veering away from the comics. Right up until the premiere of Season 7 last Sunday, the internet had been rife with theories and supposed leaks. Luckily, I didn't realize till after the fact that an actual part of the script, and I think a clip, had leaked online, which gave away the identity of the victim or victims. Which I think is kind of shitty. I understand everyone's desperate to have their curiosity sated, but I think releasing stuff like that just ruins it for people. But on the other hand, I guess don't go frequenting those kinds of sites or channels if you don't want the surprise ruined. I didn't watch the premiere until later that night after the initial airing, so I made damn sure not to peek at the Huffington Post, because those people are on that stuff like white on rice. Almost immediately after a big episode of a show airs, Game of Thrones or whatever, they'll publish an article giving everything away. But alright, anyway, so let's get to it. So season 7 finally premiered. And they teased us a little. We didn't get the big reveal right away. But then, bam, it was Abraham. And I have to admit the writers kind of fooled me. I heard rumors that more than one character might get killed off. And even one of uh, Negan's lines seemed to hint at that. He says the ones, plural, that are still breathing, which could simply mean everyone other than the dead guy, or it could be taken as hinting that there was more than one victim. But I thought that might be a bit of misdirection. So for some reason, I thought it was gonna stop at Abraham. And for a minute, I thought the writers had taken the easy way out. Abraham's a cool character, but he's generally speaking not as beloved or established in the hearts of the fans as other characters that have been on the show since the beginning, like Glenn. I think I referred to him in a uh, Facebook message to a friend as the disposable hero Abraham. Meaning, yeah, cool character, people like him, 
but not on the show long enough to be a truly shocking loss. So yeah, I thought the writers may have taken the safe route, but then bam, out of nowhere, the bat comes down on Glenn's head too. And I thought, oh damn, they're pulling the stops. They're gonna go all the way with this one. And they pretty much reproduce Glenn's death as it occurs in the comic, right down to the grisly details like the split scalp and the protruding eye. And it doesn't stop there. Both Abraham and Glenn basically have their heads completely crushed in. Looks like smashed pumpkins mixed with meat sauce. And not to get excessively morbid or gory, but I believe the camera does one final zoom on Glenn and his head is completely destroyed. It's just a mess with an eye in it and uh, his fingers are twitching away. Uh, people had a very strong reaction to it. Maybe me merely describing it uh, is making your stomach turn. My apologies if that's the case. I was really affected by the episode myself, so out of curiosity, I went on to YouTube to see if there was anyone talking about it. There was this one reaction video by what seemed to be a fairly popular YouTuber. At first, he's kind of bored. He's like, come on. And you can hear the show playing, and when Abraham's kill scene comes, his attitude completely changes. His eyes widen and his jaw drops. Uh, when Glenn's killer death scene comes, he just looks completely disgusted, and he gets up and turns the TV off. There were people in the HuffPost comments section saying they were done with the show, talking about how TV had crossed the line. One person went on a long screed about how they weren't going to watch anymore. They didn't approve of the show's grim view of humanity. They apparently didn't think people would be that cruel in the wake of uh, a, a society collapsing or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, do you read the news? Every day we're inundated with fresh examples of man's inhumanity to man. And that's with governments and laws in place. Unfortunately, I think we're partly wired for tribalism and violence, this kind of in-group, out-group stuff, but also wired for group solidarity, cooperation, compassion, altruism, all that good stuff too. And I think it's our job as human beings to try to uh, nurture those better angels of our nature. And if you're, you just came here to listen to me talk about The Walking Dead, I apologize for all the philosophizing. This is what my regular uh, listeners have to put up with. Um, <laughs> but in regard to all the people saying this episode was the straw that broke the camel's back and they're no longer uh, going to watch the show because of it, I think others have already made a good point in response saying that we've known since last season's cliffhanger that someone gets their head bashed in. So how can you claim to be surprised when someone gets their head bashed in in the premiere? Unless maybe you took offense at how graphic the depiction was, then maybe I can kind of see where you're coming from. It was really intense even for The Walking Dead. Uh, but when you think about it, over the course of the show, we've had other characters killed off. We've had Carl, a child, shot twice, the most recent time losing an eye. Carl almost raped by some post-apocalyptic pedo. Then Rick in response, which I found very satisfying, rips the guy's throat open with his teeth. Uh, we've had Herschel beheaded. We've had fish tanks full of walker heads. In the case of Terminus, we had systematic cannibalism. Early on, we had a horse swarmed and torn apart by walkers, not to mention Sophia, an innocent little girl who gets turned into a zombie. 
and then killed, uh, killed again. In fairness, the walker deaths are usually more grisly than the human deaths. But still, it's The Walking Dead. It's Gore City, man. So are you really that surprised by what happened to the premiere, especially since there's been images of Glenn's comic book death floating around for at least half a year or something now? I'm not trying to chide people for being disturbed or haunted by uh, the grisly deaths in the premiere. I felt that way too. I think the episode was designed to make us feel that way. But when you step back and put in perspective, as disturbing as it might have been to watch, the episode makes sense, and it's what you would expect from the series. I think for me, even more disturbing, perhaps, than the loss of two beloved characters was the stark reminder of my own mortality. I host an atheist podcast, so I'm not squeamish about looking my own mortality square in the eye. I talk about it a lot on the show. But there was something about, um, you know, even though it was all presumably, you know, latex and CGI, there was still something about seeing these two people unmade at the end of a baseball bat, one minute alive and breathing the next hamburger helper, that did make me have one of those memento mori moments, remember you too will die. I'm reminded of that old trailer from the original version of Last House on the Left, Keep Telling Yourself It's Only a Movie. I did catch myself trying to remind myself it was only a television show, but the thing is, um, you know, when you're watching a supernatural horror film, you rationalize it and say, I'm pretty darn sure I'm never going to be eaten by a werewolf. But something like this, yeah, it might just be a TV show, uh, I'll probably never find myself in the zombie apocalypse, but I could have my head bashed in. Probably won't, thankfully, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. People are unmade all the time, either by malicious intent or by accident. Even though it's a work of fiction, it really reminds you of the frailty and transient nature of the human body, uh, which can be quite disturbing. Um, or as Paul from the Drunken Peasants recently called it, a meat prison. Uh, this episode's getting pretty damn dark, isn't it? Uh, hopefully I'm not bumming anyone out. And no, I didn't go off my antidepressants. On the contrary, I actually get a lot of joy or satisfaction from philosophizing about things like this, even when things go in a really dark direction. I remember a long time ago, I took some kind of English comp class, and the professor made us analyze an essay, I think by Stephen King, if I remember correctly. It was in defense of horror movies, and I think the point was being made that perhaps horror movies kind of function like ancient Greek theater. I would imagine specifically tragedies. Maybe they provide a kind of catharsis, or they allow us to experience fear or other negative or disturbing emotions in a safe, controlled setting, kind of like a roller coaster ride on your Barker lounger or something. Um, I think my professor was skeptical, but it actually made a lot of sense to me. Of course, horror movies aren't always cathartic. Sometimes they can leave you feeling off or stay with you in some lasting negative way. But I still thought there was a ring of truth in the idea of horror movies serving some kind of function. Otherwise, why would so many of us keep watching them? There was another weird comment that grabbed my attention on the Huffington Post. There was a woman not complaining like many others that the premiere was too graphic, but she was complaining that she thought the show was getting boring. She was tired of all the quote-unquote soap opera stuff and the repeat formula of the group encountering quote-unquote bad guys. She went on to say how she wished the zombies would change somehow. 
you know, in order to spice things up. I guess she was proposing some sort of metamorphosis. Uh, some uh, wise guy responded, like, what do you mean? You want them to start whispering or something? Which cracked me up for some reason. But something about her point of view disturbed me in some small way, that somehow the drama didn't resonate with her, and she was just there for the shuffling extras, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I get it in a way. I like the excitement of seeing zombies or monsters on the screen, and in comparison, the idea of just watching some boring human drama seems rather mundane. But I'm not sure, maybe this will sound incredibly biased, but how can someone feel that way about The Walking Dead? The writing and the acting is so damn good, how can you not find the drama or quote-unquote soap opera stuff compelling? I remember when I was growing up, my mother used to watch Days of Our Lives. I don't ever recall any beheadings or skull bashing. Um, remember that time Bo Brady ripped out a pedophile's throat with his teeth? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but it occurred to me a long time ago that, in my opinion at least, the zombie apocalypse is really just kind of the backdrop. And I think it's probably occurred to many of us that the real danger isn't the walkers, it's tragically other people. In comparison, the walkers are almost like dumb animals. Not that I think animals are dumb, but you know what I mean. They're these creatures of blind instinct. Whereas it's your fellow human beings who are capable of acts of true cruelty, sadism, and betrayal. To me, The Walking Dead has always been about people and how the best and worst of human nature might manifest in the wake of some societal collapse or catastrophic or apocalyptic event. And for me, the walkers, who literally are often in the background, are kind of tragic, haunting reminders of our own mortality, etc. Not to downplay the role of the zombies or walkers too much, because the effects are great, The Walking Dead features what are, to me, the best zombie effects ever. And on the surface, at least, all highfalutin philosophizing and navel-gazing aside, it is a story about the or a zombie apocalypse. And I'm not gonna lie, as a horror fan, I was drawn in by the promise of zombies. Came for the zombies, stayed for the storytelling and character development. And there was something I thought was really thought-provoking. Uh, I think it was Robert Kirkman, but don't hold me to it. Uh, but it makes sense, being that he's the mastermind behind The Walking Dead. But either he or another bigwig behind the show, and I think it was Kirkman, said how they didn't want or didn't intend for Negan to be viewed as the quote-unquote bad guy. He intended for it to be viewed more as a clash of groups whose roles could have been interchangeable in a way. Basically just two groups of survivors trying to, well, survive. And I'm paraphrasing here, just trying to capture the spirit of the point he was trying to make. And given the actions of Rick and the gang that led to their predicament with Negan, I can kind of see that. I think the writers had Rick and his group kind of overstep a moral boundary they had never really crossed before. They had killed before when they were in immediate danger or trying to rescue another member of the group. But in season six, we saw the group take preemptive action. The saviors had yet to really mess with Rick and his group, but nevertheless, they went from being a fairly noble little band of survivors to hiring themselves out as mercenaries and attacking the saviors' compound, killing people in their sleep. 
Remember there was that poignant scene where Glenn and one of the newer members from Alexandria sneak into a room in the compound and kind of tearfully plunge knives into the throats, I think, of these uh, sleeping men. And Glenn sees on the wall what looks like Polaroids of bodies that have had their heads bashed in, presumably victims of Negan's bat Lucille. And I think that resonated with those of us who were aware of how Glenn dies in the comics. So in a way, I think by having Rick and the group seed the moral high ground, they were in a way almost brought down to the Savior's level. But to play devil's advocate, the Saviors were extorting the hilltop community. They obviously appeared to be some kind of ruthless group of thugs or marauders. And you could argue that Rick's argument that it was only a matter of time before the Saviors came after them so they should make a preemptive strike had some credence, although Rick did seem kind of overly gung-ho. But you could also argue that starting a conflict with a group that doesn't have any beef with you is kind of a risky gamble. And in this case, it ended up costing two of the group's members their lives. Although who knows, if they hadn't struck first, maybe the saviors would have surprised them one day and a conflict might have broken out in the streets of Alexandria, leading to even more deaths. Uh, am I overthinking things here? But yeah, I do take some issue with the idea that the two groups are somehow on an equal footing or interchangeable, or that Rick and Negan were somehow just both leaders whose stories could have been swapped around. Rick proved, especially with that preemptive strike on the Saviors, that he could be ruthless, but I still can't imagine him joyfully bashing in the heads of captive prisoners or extorting and killing members of an innocent community. I still think Rick's group is comprised of decent, empathetic people who have managed to hold on more or less to their humanity. And I knew there was one more thing I wanted to mention. And it was the genius of the use of sound effects in the season 7 premiere. And no, I'm not referring to the grisly sounds of Lucille demolishing Glenn and Abraham's skulls, although I'm sure the sound effects probably added significantly to the grim realism of the scene. But I'm referring to the scenes with Rick and Negan in the RV together. Rick's just witnessed people he's responsible for, two of his friends, uh, his adopted family, being brutally murdered. And now he's in shock, traumatized, and stuck in an RV with the killer. And there was something about all the little noises, uh, Negan jingling the keys, uh, turning over the ignition, these mundane little ambient noises that somehow now seemed haunting when juxtaposed with everything that had happened. It reminded me of one of those moments where maybe you feel out of it or weirded out, maybe you just received some devastating news or something, and yet all that ambient background noise carries on around you, if that makes sense. Just something I noticed. But I think uh, with that, I'm going to call it a wrap. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to try to get out a similar review on the Exorcist TV series before Halloween comes, and then it will be back to the normal format. All right, thanks again, and until next week, or maybe sooner.